Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ed3 podcast, where we explore the future of learning. Today, it is Ed3 Unplugged, where Serge and I get to talk about the week's big news, ideas on our mind, and explore topics that are tangentially related to education, learning, AI, and more. So excited. How are you, Serge? How's your week been? I'm good. There's just loads of mind-blowing conversations happening on my side, um, and lots of synchronicities between the folks that I speak to and the folks that you're speaking to. So excited to jump into that. I know, it's great. I always send a quick text of here's some things, you know, on my mind. And it seemed like this week we had similar things on our mind. So tell us a little bit about those conversations you've been having this week. Yeah, so you sent me a message about attribution in education and how across networks you can tell what was written by which teachers and sort of attribute that teacher to the work if it gets reused in other stuff, right? And then that came up in conversations that I was having and also the credentialing piece. And I think these are kind of very closely related. How do you verify what you know and how do you verify who wrote what as that, these both get passed around? And this also hooks back to the AI question, which has been coming up a lot in previous discussions. And as if that wasn't breakneck speed conversations, there's also this AI and web free intersection conversation coming up. So one frame that I think, you know, you've been doing a lot of work in is basically around talent in web free and getting devs into the web free ecosystem. How are you thinking about that Metacrafters and what challenges, challenges have you guys been facing? Yeah. Yeah. So at Metacrafters, you know, our goal is really to train developers on next gen jobs. And so initially that was web three. Now it's definitely AI and we're really thinking about fractional work because, you know, at first we thought there's a lot of need for talent in the web three space. And so finding web two devs, training them up was a, was a big priority. But as we saw the bear market come in on web three, we saw a decrease in demand, you know, from employees or employers, I should say. And so then we started to realize that a lot of the people coming in were trying to get started. And so how do you get someone who's fairly new in the development space, or maybe has never coded before? to get enough skills and also be trusted to be hired by, you know, a larger company. And so we're thinking a lot about that in terms of credentialing their skills, giving them credentials for skills they already have, you know, so if they're self-taught or they learn something else, like how do they get a stamp that, that an employer will trust and then connecting them, right? So being the bridge between all this opportunity and what they're learning, because I think sometimes people don't know where to start, right? Like, What's the best thing to put in my portfolio? And um, I think the challenge we found is like, if you don't give a dev and a light at the end of the tunnel within, you know, 30, 45 days, they're going to go try something else, right? So how do you get them an opportunity as fast as possible is, is something that we're trying mm-hmm. to solve for. Yeah, I see these two worlds of the light at the end of the tunnel, meaning like jobs and income being one of those lights yeah. at the end, end of the tunnel, right? So that's already happening in networks like Brain Trust, which are basically talent-based marketplaces. And a Web2 version of this is Upwork, right? Yep. So you have the potential to go and earn in one network. And then what you're saying is there's also the upskilling piece, right? And proving that you know what you know and that you have a good portfolio that looks like, looks good to these employers so that these two networks match, right? Yeah. And what I think I'd see in general is the ideal end goal or the north star in project-based learning is 
essentially a merger of these two networks to say that project-based learning is authentic in that it's, it's authentic learning in that it's related to real world jobs and real world problems that people are facing on these talent marketplaces at Upwork. And then also the projects that are being sort of displayed to new devs coming into the ecosystem such that the projects stack so that they can get to the end of the light in the tunnel. And there's a bunch of different verifications that are happening in here. Like, do you know what you know? What skills do you have? Can we match make that to the jobs that need to be done? Yeah. So those are kind of merging and blending, which I find very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what we're trying to think about too, is like, how does a bounty or a small project or a side hustle, whatever you want to call it, like, how do you credit that, right? Like, you don't need to take my class to show me that you know how to code and solidity. Like, if you do a solidity project, then I know you can do it. We've done a lot of work on the verification of humanity, which I think is an interesting problem, which is as you can now use AI, and obviously a lot of uh, developers are really good at copy-pasting, right? That's, that's like what a lot of development is to verify that they understand what they're doing. And so we do that with a, a code walkthrough video. So verifying humanity by seeing the person talking and having them explain what they just did. So I don't care if you copy paste, like that's part of the job, but you need to understand what you're copy pasting. So next time you have a different job, you're going to be able to do it again. And then also kind of the standard, what they call KYC, know your customer, where we have like a, an actual identification, you know, so the so the person's real and not some kind of bot. So I think this whole verification thing of, of humanity and also work is fascinating because I think we have the infrastructure with blockchain technology to, to provide this verification. And with AI, we almost have the necessity now to do it. And my, my guess is like where things are going is it's going to actually be, you always have to attribute you've done something. So like right now we kind of assume it's real unless proven otherwise, I think. And my guess is there's going to be just this flood of images and text and content from AI. I, I hope that we almost flip and say that everything's fake unless proven otherwise. So in the Web3 world, you, you, know, you sign a contract. You basically say, this is my wallet. This is me. I could see it going that way with, with attribution, right? So I created this code. I created this homework. I wrote this book. I edited this image and you can see with blockchain how this attribution can stack, right? It doesn't have to just be one person because what we want to enable is collaboration where, you know, we create this podcast, someone remixes it into a music song, someone makes that into a music video. And with blockchain, then we actually could share in the revenue of that. So, I mean, that's kind of the optimistic vision. I, I do wonder, like, does this provide a new opportunity for instructors, right? Where could I have a, a style of prompting or maybe I have a conversation history that other people can now access. So instead of having to go through a whole conversation with a chat GPT on Grapes of Wrath, like now I can pull in someone's chat history and it has a style or a vibe or a skill level already baked in and then that person could get compensated. So it's kind of like creating a lesson plan that other people buy, but now it's with AI. So I don't know. My mind's kind of thinking about that right now. And I wonder with City as a school, you're essentially kind of in that world, right? Of aggregating talent. But my assumption is right now it's all theirs. They own what they teach. But have you thought about this kind of like stackable education? How could someone go to City as a school and pull pieces and they get fractional credit? How do you think about that with fractional marketplaces? Like there's tons of roads here for you to take. <laughs> That's 
you, you've opened up a big bag of, bag of cats there. Okay, I think there's like three moving parts here and I'll like try and pick one of them. One of them is enabling real-time supply and demand between the jobs of the future and the skills we have right now. I think that's like a huge thing. That's all about marketplaces and signaling and matchmaking. And then there's the whole piece that you, you just mentioned, which is all about becoming a tutor and or a teacher and then training some AI on everything that I've ever taught and learned and then selling that on and getting revenue from that. How does that work? As well as attribution and the problem of if I say something, if we record this podcast and someone makes an NFT of it, then how do we know that they'll attribute us? I'll start there because I think like the very quick take I have on that is basically that's just going to be really, really hard. There's no incentive right now for me to attribute someone else. Like I can just copy and paste whether it's a real human who did it, whether they have verified that they were the first author on this. You can see this on like Mirror, which is Mirror is like the first, uh, is a blog that's recorded on chain and said this was made at this time by this person. I can still copy and paste that text. Yeah. Maybe in a future we have ways of saying, ah, someone did do the copy and paste action. So you need to verify that you need to attribute this person because you did the copy and paste action. But right now you can copy and paste freely. So I think that's the main challenge of attribution is that there's no real reason why I should uh, out of, unless it's goodwill. With training teachers to become, to have digital twins of themselves and then sell their content via students prompting that digital twin of them. I've just spoken to the folks from personal.ai about like, what would it look like for all of the biggest writers to feed, to train different models on the best writers in the world and have each of these AI models be a sort of avatar that they could speak to so that you would have personalized tutors from throughout history. You could talk to Alexander the Great, you could speak to Socrates, whatever you want to do. And I think this is something we'll tend towards like with teachers. And I try to like upskill the teachers at City as a School to say, hey, you know, get used to writing notes. You know, the bottleneck is the human to human transmission, which is we're in a live class on Zoom or in person. But outside of that, you also have the collective like notes and writing you've been doing as a teacher, all the videos you've created. Let's train a model on that because this is also going to like earn you money while you sleep. And mm -hmm. like the quality and revenue you make off of it are based on the quality of the thoughts and the teaching that you have to train on that AI model. So there's a real like imperative for teachers to get on board with that. And I think that's going to be a really amazing time for the future of education, really. I mean, the real time supply and demand. This is tricky. This is like future of work, but maybe let's hook that to like bounty boards and credentialing. You're about to release a bounty feature at Metacrafters. How's that working? And like, how do you see that playing into build stacking projects and, and proving that you know what you know? Yeah, I think one of the best ways to learn is to do and, and a bounty is just a short project, you know? So in classes, we always have projects, but what I found teaching is that, you know, students preferred the fake thing rather than the real thing because there's an element of i don't want to show what i've done you know like i'm not quite confident enough um so i think there's real value in having students build something real because not only does it demonstrate the knowledge of the skill of the content but also it shows an ability or willingness to say i made this right like open yourself up to public critique and also public input but i think students are usually worried about the critique part but by getting them, you know, a lot of times people will say build in public. I like to say learn in public, right? If we can learn in public, I think that's an important skill for everybody. 
because you realize the power of input of getting feedback from people. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always nice, but most of the time you're going to learn something from it. And also learning to filter out the, the trolls is, is also a key skill, unfortunately. So I do think like at Metacrafters, we're thinking about how do we get more of our students to build projects that solve real problems? So we're not just looking at a job and creating a facsimile that is like, pretend you're doing this job. We're actually just giving you a job. You know, you'll make a hundred bucks if you do this and you pass the test, right? And so that parallel track of now you have incentives to make money, you have incentives to gain credentials, you know, then we have incentive to go find this stuff. So you're starting to solve that connection piece too of employers to to students. So it's a big, it's it's a big project because like you said, there's lots of moving pieces. I think the biggest hurdle is bounties are kind of hard for employers to write, you know? So I wonder if AI can maybe even help with this, but like, what are the tasks that could be cut off and given to someone without guaranteed results? It's kind of the intern problem a lot of companies have. It's like, it'd be great to have interns, but then I have to train them and figure out what to give them to do. And they're going to be gone in three months or whatever. And so then they don't do it. So it's kind of like, how do you make that fractionalization of a job? more easily done to give to the marketplace. So I don't know if you've seen any good solutions there, but I find that is a big hurdle right now is just companies don't know how to delegate or give small tasks. Totally. And I think this plays into, there's a bigger conversation here about the intersection of AI and and Web3. There's this term coming up called intelligent cooperation. And this is like, some of the solutions I've seen here are really fun. It's basically using typing in a job to be done or a problem statement and then getting a project scope out using AI. So mm. this plus also what I just do with like our product roadmap at City as a School is to say, hey, here's a new feature. Please write the product requirement document documentation for this feature. It has to have these certain constraints and these like requirements. Make sure it pl- plays well with these other things in our company and it just writes the product requirement doc. This is really speeding up the ability for people to scope projects and, and work for people. So I see the cost of scoping going right down. And there is this really cool cycle that's going to be happening. And then I have a sort of zoomed out question for you, which is how broadly do you think all of this stuff that I'm about to explain applies to the job market? Because it will work for some technical jobs, definitely. And then like, how far can we stretch that? I don't think it will be all jobs that are consumed by this way of working, but it's essentially upskilling with co-pilots, verifying what you know using things like Bodo's proof of learning protocol, multi multimodal proof, so images, videos, code, text, that you do know what you know, matchmaking this using AI, AI matchmaking to the jobs that need to be done, using AI as well to verify that the job was done or algorithmically just with the code, like, did it run, did it load in time? Or if it's more complex using AI and then going back to the leadership and the strategy and saying, great, well, like let's scope more projects using AI and send them back to the marketplace. And so there's this crazy loop that's going to be happening, which is AI augmented work with skills tags matching to the projects and the project being written by the AI, but that doesn't apply to all areas of work. It might just be technical and creative work can be done like that. Where do you think? this sort of stops or what's the boundary of that? Yeah, I wonder if it's sort of a a smiling curve where it's you have the Uber driver kind of marketplace on one end, you have like the technical 
maybe creative work on the other and you almost come at it from both sides, right? Like we can use Fiverr to, to do a lot of like small, non-technical, just kind of like time consuming tasks, whether it's getting groceries or driving someone around or helping someone move houses. And then you have the like highly technical that requires Legos, right? And people can come in and add the Legos to this big piece and they probably don't understand the whole thing or maybe couldn't even do the whole thing themselves. So I wonder, yeah, I almost wonder if it's, if it, if we come at it that way, where it's like the really small things where you control the whole project and requires no previous knowledge, like the project is get groceries and you can do that or the opposite where it's a massive project and you control one piece and you just have to know that piece. And maybe it gets tricky in the middle where it's like, you have to know multiple pieces, but maybe not the whole thing. I think that could be almost trickier. And I think in the world of education, that's interesting because you know, is that a complex system where there's lots of Legos? That's kind of the university model, probably, where there's lots of professors and you stack them together into an education. Whereas I think a lot of time the K-12 model is a little bit more of, you know, you have a teacher that's guiding you through multiple things. I don't know. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on, I don't know if that's the right framework, but that's the one that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think the a smile distribution makes some sense. There's definitely like the, what's coming up for me is just repeatable tasks fit into this yeah, very well. Yeah. Things like you said, like picking up groceries, like buying the shopping list, ordering stuff off Amazon, as well as technical Lego block building and creative work, like record me a YouTube video, make some artwork for me. Those fit, I guess, the reason why I ask is because it, it pokes at an equity question in education, which is if we assume that the end result of the ideal end result of project-based learning is that it merges with project-based fractionalized talent marketplaces. Is that the future of all education or is that the future of some part of education? And then yeah, what's the future of some, right? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think it would be the future of, of a type of highly technically enabled work and highly technically enabled trainings. Yeah. But then there's some other future of education and work education, which lines up with a different end goal of future of work, if that makes sense. Like there's really fractionalized mm -hmm. jobs and that only applies to some jobs. I mean, there's not fractionalized work like, oh, I wanted to say doctor there, but I have no idea if that's going to be changed. <laughs> There'll be some other non-fractionalized jobs to be done, which in which another education model will be required. Right. Right. Yeah, I saw the... <laughs> The, the last job that AI will take, I saw a Twitter thread and it was a guy that I guess like Aston Martin has one person who will go and detail cars for the super rich and flies in person <laughs> like hand paints, you know, these like lines on the side of like brand new Aston Martins. But no, I think that's fascinating. I think that's a really good question of like, again, like what is education for? Uh, one element is definitely getting us those jobs and opportunities. But also we've talked about like a skill that's really important in this age is leaning into humanity, right? So what are the things that we can teach people through education that aren't just like dollar tag assigned and how do we, how do we teach those skills as well? So that'll be, I think that'll be really fascinating to watch. I, maybe the last kind of frame to throw at you is I've been thinking a lot about the old school LimeWire Napster days, which I'm sure you remember and lived through. And, you know, in that case, it really was regulation that came in and said, okay, we have to do this legally. And I wonder with all these models, it seems like we're going to get to this point of 
are they illegally built on work, right? Like that, you know, mid journeys taking artwork that it's scraped from who knows where, same thing with text. And like, are we going to have just alternatives? Like this is a, you know, organic food, the same way we have now, like uh, approved models that are, you know, opt-in and they're like high quality versus like the scrape everything models or is there a regulation coming down that says, you know, you have to prove that these are all the content it's based on is somehow attributed. And I think about that a lot with education because, you know, we all have probably copied things that said do not copy on them. <laughs> and so there's definitely a, a history in education of making sure you attribute get the footnotes, give people credit. And can we get back to that or is the genie out of the bottle? And that's not not a, a, in a possibility anymore in AI. Yeah. What comes to mind is how, yeah, I think Napster is a great example of this, the music industry and attribution. I also think about how the banking systems and how they sort of validate where and who sent money and these kinds of things, right? Both of these systems have like insanely huge cost for the bureaucracy and the institutional overheads to do yeah. all of this verification and improving and trusting and writing legal contracts and law and enforcing it with either a military or criminal punishment, right? Both a bank and the monetary system, but also like Napster, you know, you've got record labels, you've got mm -hmm. the studios, you've got like, and then all of them have lawyers and then it goes all the way up and down and, and YouTube builds copyright detection into the, you know, YouTube to back that stuff. There's all this overhead, right? I, I imagine in a world where AI is making more and more non-human content that the proof of humanity, like you said, will become one of the most important things that this was a human who did it and we know which human and that points me to a couple concepts which are really interesting or ideas here which are using biometrics in the proof of humanity process to at least get a one-to-one -one stamp with a human and a digital a unique digital identifier whether that's like a wallet or a yeah like a wallet generally some address and also another concept that's I commonly find in the radical exchange community, which is intersectional social identity, which is basically to say, how do we not just know that there's a digital identity with some biometric, but how do we know that the biometric and the digital identity are tied to which human and which human in the, in terms of intersectional social identity is borrowing from all of your digital trace, like your Twitter account, your LinkedIn, like you just try and gather as many of these things and see how they all intersect and say, cool, we can construct a digital representation of Surge based off of the, you know, footprint I've had on the world mm -hmm. in the digital, yeah, whether that's a mighty networks or discord or wherever I've been. So I think we need to figure this out, Pri the privacy and the verification around proof of humanity, and then we can get clear on what kinds of institutions or technologies or protocols we need that hopefully are less inefficient than, you know, the huge banking infrastructure and the huge music and trademarking copywriting institutions. How can we do this with cool technology that has proof of humanity at its core is a huge question for the next like, 10 years. Yeah. 
Well, we'll be here each week discussing it. I think we we started pulling on some really interesting threads that we'll have to go deeper on. And we'll share this, as always, on ed3.gg. So subscribe there to get the best stuff and the updates. We'll be back here next Friday. And check out the Ed3 podcast for other episodes coming up on MidJourney, talking to Dr. Saba on personalized education, lots of great stuff. So we'll look forward to seeing you on the interwebs. And Serge, I hope you have an awesome weekend. Cool. Catch you later, Scott. Always a pleasure. Yeah.